0: Well, I will not take any more time. I want to just, uh, introduce you once again, uh, Brian Barry. Good job this morning. Good preaching. And tonight he's going to come and just share his testimony and, uh, just enjoy, um, a little bit, getting to know him a little bit better tonight. Come on up, brother. Thank you so much.
1: Um, once again, uh, oh, you're too kind. Too kind. Um, Once again, I'm just going to let you know at the end, we're going to do a question and answer time. And so uh be thinking of any questions you may possibly have about me, about my ministry, about all different types of things. Um, I want to really just share with you my testimony starting um, at the beginning, because what I hope is that through this testimony, and hopefully through getting to know me the rest of this week, what I hope that you're uh, encouraged by is to say, is to see like, oh, if God can use Brian, God can use me. If God can use Brian, God can use anyone. And I and I don't just say that, I truly do mean that. And uh, so I wanted to share with you my testimony. And there's some, uh, there's some things I'm going to te- share with you in my testimony that maybe you're going to be like, man, that's a lot of information. Why do you share that? Because all of the things I'm going to share with you are things that God has used to get me to the point where I'm at today, where I'm going to Ireland. And so um, some of this stuff, some of you may have heard before, some of it you haven't. And um, But like I shared this morning, I was born into a pastor's home. And so I never thought that I would be a missionary. Um, And it's not that that's not what I wanted to do. But it's because as a pastor's kid, you meet missionaries all the time. And it seemed like every missionary I ever met my whole life, their testimony went like this. God called them to missions. They didn't want to do missions. They fought God about missions for years, and then finally they surrendered. And so I was like, well, if I want to be a missionary, apparently that can't be God's will, because it sounds like God's will is supposed to be something you don't want to do. And so I just really did think that for a long time. And so, um, but first off, before I get to this part, let me back up and share with you my salvation testimony, because this is important, because I am saved. Um, so uh, when I was five years old, I was, like I said, born in a pastor's home. My dad was a youth pastor. My mom played piano for our church awesome parents and uh when i was five my best friend curtis he got to swim in front of the whole church and i was like that's the coolest thing ever i want to swim in front of the church and my sunday school teacher was like you mean you want to be baptized i said yeah she's like well you got to get saved first i was like that's fine let's do the saving thing so we can do the swimming thing and uh when i was five i prayed this prayer with no idea whatsoever what i was doing just so i could get baptized and I knew early on that I had not actually called on the Lord to save me. I didn't had no idea what I was doing. There was no repentance of my sin, none of that. I was just wanting to get in the water in front of the church. But I was then embarrassed to tell anybody about that, right? Like the pastor's kids got to get saved twice. I know the pastor's kid's not great, but so for years I struggled with that. I wasn't saved. But then uh when I was six, my mom got cancer. And My mom fought cancer from when I was six to when I was 12 years old. And when I was 12 years old, my mom passed away from cancer. And uh, we had moved to Tucson, Arizona to plant a church. And when my mom died, I was so mad and I was so angry at God for allowing that to happen. Now, I'm the pastor's kid. I'm there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I'm there at visitation. I'm there on Saturdays to help set up the church because we met in a school. But I'm lost as lost can be. And on the outside looking in, you know, I might have seemed like this, you know, goofy kid and but there was so much anger and bitterness towards the Lord. And in my heart, I thought, you know what, if God's going to allow my mom to be taken from me, maybe I don't even want to go to heaven. And so that's what I thought, you know, at, when I was uh, that old. And that was my story is that I was angry and I was bitter towards God. And um Some of you may have may have heard this. I don't know if I shared it with you or not. But when I was 13, um, we were on our way back from a youth trip. And on the trip, my youth pastor's wife had led this girl to the Lord. And they're giving me and my brother a ride home. So I'm sitting in the backseat of their car. And as we're driving down the road, she's telling her husband all these questions she asked this girl. Questions like, if you were to die today and stand before God, you know, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? If God said, why should I let you into heaven, what would your answer be? And that girl didn't have an answer. And so this my youth pastor's wife was able to lead her to the Lord. Well, I'm just overhearing those questions in the back seat. And I realized I didn't have an answer for those myself. And in that moment, the reality of heaven, the reality of hell, the reality of my lostness before God, the fact that my bitterness and anger would never bring my mom back, but my sin was leading me to hell, it all hit me. And I realized I needed Jesus I needed salvation and so when we got home, I grabbed my Bible and I went into our bathroom And uh, I knew all, all the verses. I knew the verse. I knew how to get saved I just never done it and uh, there that night when I was 13 years old in January I knelt at the toilet and I prayed and I asked Jesus to save me. And I like to tell people that right there on the throne, my sins were flushed away. And uh, that was how I came to know Jesus as my Savior. And um, so then, you know, shortly after that, I was uh, I was baptized. And I'd like to say that it was like, you know, just this upward trajectory. And now I'm a missionary. But well, that's not the case. Um, but God has used that in my life. And God has been good. God has been present in my life. And what's amazing is, obviously, when I get, got saved, it wasn't like, boom, my mom is back, obviously. But the anger and the bitterness and the heaviness had been replaced with joy and hope and peace because I knew that I'd go uh, to heaven someday because Jesus had saved me in my sins. And so, so that's my story of how I came to know the Lord as my Savior. So then, uh, fast forward, and um, I'd always loved ministry. Uh, you know, I loved that my dad was able to be there for people in the highs and the lows of life. I loved, you know, sometimes... He'd be, get a phone call super late at night to have to go to the hospital. And I just I just loved that aspect of it, just getting to be there for people and minister to people through God's word, to pre, uh, speak God's word in people's lives through the highs and the lows of life. And I knew that I would love to give my life um, to the preaching and the teaching of God's word, to the training of God's people, uh, to the winning of souls. But like I said, I never thought that missions would be what God would use my life for. Um, I went to Bible college in Springfield, Missouri, and missions was the furthest thing from my radar. What I did know was that I loved kids' ministry, and I loved youth ministry, and I loved music ministry, and preaching, and young adults, and college, and I even like old people, all those things. I liked all those areas of ministries. So what I thought, I was like, I'm going to go to Bible college, and I want to do everything. And then what will happen is as I go through Bible college, God will, like, narrow it down to one specific ministry, and then that's what I'll end up doing. So then, um, and also, my whole life, there was two things that I wanted to do. I wanted to go to Baptist Bible College in Springfield, Missouri, and I wanted to get married and have a family. Those were like my, even as a little kid, if you ask me, those were my goals. So finally, I go to Bible College, and when I'm in Bible College, I meet this girl. And uh, we start dating when we're in Bible College, and literally every plan I had made for my life was working out. Um, there were churches all over the country that were talking to us about coming. And some of them were like, hey, don't even worry about finishing school. You know, you can do that any time. We need you here. Big churches were interested in us coming. And I was like, this is it. This is everything I've ever wanted, everything I've ever planned for. And so this girl and I, we get engaged. And there's multiple churches that are talking to us. And a month and a half before our wedding, find out she's cheating on me with this other guy at Bible college. And um, and so, I know, listen, he wasn't the problem. They're just married today and have two kids. But he wasn't the problem. Uh, so, uh, but that happens. So when that happens, that I just had tied so much of my worth, so much of my value, so much of my identity to that relationship. And so this is the part where there's – I want to share this with you because this is like – not the cookie-cutter missionary testimony, but this is like a real-life testimony of how God's worked in my life. When that happened, my life began to spiral. I had always been the good pastor's kid, always been at church, and I had always tried to do things God's way. And when that relationship didn't work out, I tied so much of my worth to it, I was like, you know what? I tried it God's way. Maybe I'll try it my way for once. And for about six months, I was really running from the Lord for the first time in my life after I've been saved. Um... I was still going to church. I was still going to Bible college. Um, but I was making sinful choices, truly trying to throw my life away. Um, and I was once again at this point of being mad at God for allowing something to happen in my life. So fast forward, and uh, I was at a youth camp, and I was leading worship for this camp. And during this camp, um, I was singing this song. It's a song I've sung here called All I Am. And it was during this invitation there were kids coming forward to the altar and getting saved and surrendering their lives to the lord and it was just this wonderful time but i'm there leading worship at this rock bottom moment of my life mad at god singing the song of surrender not meaning a single word of it you know thinking god's not going to use me god can't use me god won't use me and i'm mad at god for allowing these things to happen to me and during that invitation um I'm just having this back and forth with God about why aren't you going to use me in ministry? Why did you let this happen? Why did that happen? And during that invitation at this rock bottom moment was when I felt God as clear as I've ever felt him impress anything on my heart about why not missions. And it was during that invitation at this rock bottom moment, I felt God like just impress him on my heart that these thoughts and these feelings and these ideas that he couldn't or wouldn't use me never came from him. He's not the one who put those thoughts into my head. And I had allowed these things in my past to be things, once I, like I talked about this morning, things I was looking back at instead of moving, moving forward with Jesus. And I had let these, uh, things that had happened in my past, instead of letting them heal and be scars, I was picking at them and they were open wounds infecting other areas of my life. And it was there at that invitation that I just said, God, I don't know how you can still use me. I don't know why you would still use me. But if you want to, all that I am is yours. And it was at that youth camp that I just surrendered myself to whatever God wanted. And it was at that youth camp that I felt God began working in my heart about why not missions. So then if you're going to be a missionary, a good second question is where? You know, you hear people say you can't take the gospel to the wrong address. That's true. But you have to have your own address. You know, you got to know where you're going to live. And so I began researching countries. And I think I shared this with you last time, but I was truly willing to go wherever God would lead me. Um you hear some people say like oh god like don't send me to Africa. I thought Africa would sound great, but god gave me pale skin and red hair and he did not build me for the sun. And I was like, okay god, you know, uh, I'll go anywhere but this is the body you gave me. You know, I don't want to go somewhere that the sun's going to kill me, you know, the first day. Uh so if there's some place that you know, you could leave me that'd be great. The second thing was uh we were talking about Spanish over there. Um I took 2 years of Spanish at Belton High School. I got two D's, Um, you know, D for diploma. That was my motto for four years. And uh, all I remember is that we watched La Bamba and we watched Shrek with Spanish subtitles. I know I know so much about Shrek, but not a lot about Spanish. And I just knew that God had not given me this ability to learn another language. And so I was just praying. I was like, Okay, God, if I'm willing to go anywhere, but this is how you have created me if there's a place I can go where you will open doors where I can go and meet a need, I'm willing to go. And so I began researching different countries. And I didn't know anything about Ireland. I'd eaten Lucky Charms a time or two. But I mean, other than that, I didn't know really anything about Ireland. And so I was looking at different countries. I was looking at England, looking at Wales, looking at Scotland, looking at different places in Canada. And um, I just assumed there would be tons of missionaries in Ireland. Um, I was like, you know, why would there not be tons and tons of missionaries there? It's a beautiful country. Everybody thinks they're Irish, you know, and uh, why would people not be going home, you know? And uh, I, I know I shared this with you, but some of you weren't. Oh, don't break that. Some of you weren't here last time when I was here in November, but people do ask me all the time, like, are you going to Ireland because you're Irish? And so I asked my dad, I said, are we Irish at all? And he's like, I don't think we are. So I like spat in one of those vials and like mailed it to some stranger. So they tell me what ethnicity I am. And it came back that I was 4% Irish and I'm so pumped because I was just like Ireland. I was like, yeah, Ireland, your boy's coming home, you know? And, uh, and so, uh, but I began researching these different countries. I assumed there would be tons of missionaries in Ireland, and I had no idea about the state of the souls of, in Ireland, about the spiritual darkness in Ireland, and I knew nothing about it. And so, uh, but when I began researching it, I found out, like you've heard me say, Ireland's the least evangelized English-speaking country in the world. Um, i 've shared the numbers before, but based on the most recent statistics, Ireland is one point five five percent any kind of evangelical Christian by percentage that makes Ireland less evangelized than countries like China, Egypt, Cambodia, Vietnam, and even North Korea. North Korea is one point five six percent ireland 's one point five five percent and I blew my mind I was like I didn't even think those numbers were real, so I did some more digging and found out that it's true. Ireland is incredibly spiritually dark, but there's a unique opportunity in Ireland because Ireland, at least right now, is open for the gospel. There's not government restrictions on evangelism and outreach and meeting for church like we are now. We don't have to take the church underground, but yet so few are going. Also, in Ireland, there's not a language barrier. I don't have to learn Spanish. I don't have to watch La Bamba again. I can just go to Ireland, you know, and it's awesome. And so that, I was just like, okay, God, I don't know why no one else is going to Ireland. And I don't know if that's where you want me to go, but I need to go there and see it. So I went with my dad to Ireland in 2016, and we didn't know anything about it. We just kind of got there and we figured it out uh, when we got to the country. And I had lined it up to meet with a couple different missionaries that I found online um and basically every missionary that i met with had been in ireland for a long time had been you know faithfully serving the lord but it had really no fruit in their ministries just very small churches not seeing people come to the lord not seeing people be discipled and these missionaries that i met they kind of tried to dissuade me from coming to ireland um they were kind of like listen if there's somewhere else you can go i'd recommend doing it you can't reach people in ireland and the thing about me is I'm like kind of stubborn. I'm like, well, you're kind of, you're kind of daring me to come to Ireland. But, but, uh, the thing was, is I got to get a water. As I go to, uh, as I go there and I meet these missionaries, they're all saying the same thing. Like, man, you, you know, if you can go somewhere else, really do it because you can't really reach people in Ireland. And what my, what I kept being convicted about was the fact that they're right. Like I, can 't reach anyone like i 'm not going to save anyone, but the gospel is still the power of God to salvation, and God still can save the Irish and He still can save the american and as somebody who 's now going to ireland i don 't want to be arrogant and be like, Oh, well, I know better than these people who 've been there forever. <clears throat> But I'm also not putting God in a box of what he can and can't do through my ministry because I'm faith. I'm going to be held accountable for my faithfulness. Um, he is the one who's going to provide the increases. I'm faithful to preach the gospel, to make disciples, to make God's word the pinnacle of my ministry, not myself or my own abilities. And so I met these missionaries all over Ireland and they were all very discouraged. Um, and they were basically like, don't come. And um I just fell in love with that country, and um, I just really, truly did see the need, I, and I was burdened for the country. People in Ireland, if you went there and said you were a Baptist, most of them would have no idea what you were talking about. Like, they just never even heard the word. Um, my dad, uh, when we were there, we had a tour guide, and she asked my dad what he did, and he said he was a Baptist minister, and she was like, Baptist? She was like, well that's you have like Mormon Jehovah's Witness Baptist and he's like no, no 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 not not one of those but they've just never heard of it and um, there's there's a town I'm specifically praying I'm getting a little ahead of myself there's a town I'm praying about maybe going and planting a church at but it's an ancient viking town right in the middle of Ireland that in its whole history has never once had a Baptist church ever established there's been missionaries come to do bible studies that fizzle out but there's never been an established church and you see that all over Ireland. And so I spent a week there with my dad, just fell in love with this country. And I, the last day we were there, I was sitting at St. Patrick's Cathedral uh, in this courtyard. I was eating fish and chips. There was just people all around. It was just like the most Irish experience you can imagine. And I was like, I love everything about this. And um, I uh, just prayed. And I said, God, I don't know why no one else is coming here, but if you will allow me I'll give the rest of my life to reach these people for you. Um, when I prayed that prayer, I didn't instantly feel confirmation that that's what God wanted for me. What I actually felt was conviction that he had already placed me in Springfield, Missouri, where I currently was. And it was as, it was as if God was saying, that's great, Brian, you're saying come to Ireland. Who are you sharing the gospel with in Springfield? Who are you discipling in Springfield. It's kind of like that young man I told you about this morning. Very similar story. I was willing to tell God I would go somewhere else to do something I really wasn't taking seriously where I was already at. <clears throat> so I get back from Ireland. Over the next year, I got involved in the outreach at my church. I got involved in discipling the young people at our church, seeing them grow in their love and their knowledge of the Lord, seeing them get plugged in, replacing myself in the ministries I was already in. Because I didn't know if God was going to lead me to Ireland, but I did know that if he was going to lead me to Ireland, I wanted to be able to tell people, hey, I'm just going to Ireland to continue doing what God's already been using me to do here. Like, I'm just, God has used me to do these ministries, and uh, I'm going to go and take this message, take these methods, take take whatever I've I've learned, take that to Ireland, and uh, reach people for the Lord there. So in 2017, I went back to Ireland with my pastor Met an Irish, uh, another Irish missionary, and uh, and that was after that trip was when God just really gave me a burden um, and a peace about going. That was 2017. That was a while ago, and so there's still been some preparation time that God has used to grow me and mold me and change me and make me uh, to the person I am today, ready to get to Ireland. And so, um, what's exciting is I'll share a couple pictures with you. This is uh, if this works. Uh, did it work? It didn't work. Uh, oh, it's on. Is is that flashing in everyone's eyes? Yep, it's on. Okay, well, if you can go to the next picture, that'd be great. <laughs> <coughs> uh, perfect. So, Ireland, obviously, incredibly beautiful place. Uh, absolutely beautiful country. You can go to the next picture. Uh, th- this is what's cool about these it's like, these aren't like gigantic, like tourist places. Like you just like drive across Ireland, pull over to the side of the road and like, this is the stuff you see. It's absolutely amazing. I took my brother and sister-in-law to Ireland with me and, uh, I asked them what they thought and they were like, everything just looks like a postcard. Like, everything you see. Like, if you close your eyes and picture Ireland, that place exists. I don't know, like, it's just a real place. So, and then, yeah, so this is the city of Dublin, um, and uh, it's absolutely beautiful. So that's just some of the beautiful scenery of Ireland. Um, But the thing is eventually all of those things i'm going to get used to you know uh you're going to get i'm going to get used to the culture i'm going to get used to the food going to get used to the weather used to all those things uh but i don't ever want to get used to the fact that people are dying without jesus and going to hell that's something i don't want to get used to and that's why i'm excited for the opportunities god's opened up in the next picture uh some of you have seen this picture this is uh frank rayburn he was born and raised in ireland in the church of ireland And American missionaries knocked on his door one day, shared the gospel of salvation, not through works, but through faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And he received Jesus as a Savior as a kid. His wife's name is Edel. She was raised Catholic. American missionaries came and knocked on her door, shared the gospel. She was a child. She received Christ as her Savior. And now Pastor Rayburn is pastoring two churches in Ireland at the same time. Um, And so they're very excited to have an American missionary to come partner with them. And for me, it's such a great opportunity because there's Americans I could go work with, and there's Americans I know doing missions work in Ireland, and they're awesome people. But I don't have to learn a new language, but I do have to learn a new culture. And so to work with an Irish pastor instead of just other Americans is such a huge blessing from the Lord. Um, Just to assimilate myself to the culture. And so I'll be partnering with Pastor Rayburn. In this next picture is the first church I'll be serving in. Uh some of you have seen this picture. This is the Boyne Valley Baptist Church built in 1796. Um, if you can go to the next picture, this is artwork inside um, that's right behind the pulpit. Uh, I promise you just close your eyes and imagine it if we're not going to go to it. Uh, in the next picture, uh they're magic. Uh, this is artwork that's right behind the pulpit, and this is original from 1796. So it's just, like, super cool. Uh, you have uh, the Lord's Prayer. You have the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed. That's the original stuff from when the building was built in 1796. The next picture is... Um, just what the church looks like on the inside. It has original double-sided pews, um, and uh, it's a historical registered building. Um, and uh, so we can't just gut it and put new stuff in. But why would you want to do that? It's beautiful. In the next picture, I want to share this one with you because it's cool. You know how we had church in here this morning, and then instantly we broke down and we had fellowship? That's exactly what we did when I was just in Ireland. And so it's just super cool. We, we use the church as well for fellowships. But the reason I show you some of those pictures is that um, I'm going to get some of the ministry stuff I'm going to be doing as well. But from the outside, the, the, it's a beautiful, beautiful church building. But what I'm going to be helping them with is help is working on our church building, getting it updated. Uh, these are some windows. The next picture has some windows as well. The next picture has another window. All these windows are just broken and boarded up. Um, and um, I'm like, you know what? We need, I want to help us uh, just make our church look nice. Not just for the sake of having a nice church, but... I want some place that's nice for people to come to to hear the gospel. Um, And, and, you know, this is God's church, and I want to take care of it. But the super exciting thing in the next picture is this. This, and some of you have seen this, this is what we currently use for kids' ministry. The building on the right is what we use for our kids' ministry building. It's one room, ages 2 to 12, all in one classroom. You can go to the next picture as well. It's just another perspective. Age 2 to 12 in one Sunday school classroom. It's not very nice at all. The building on the left is what's used as the restroom, and there's a little area in the back that they'd kind of use for a little nursery. But the building is so bad and falling apart, there were parents that were like, I'm not sending my, church, my kids into that building. And um, it, you can go to the next picture as well and just stay on here for a little bit. This is the Sunday I was there. They were, actually had about half the kids they normally have, and they're all packed into one room. Um, the building's not very nice. It's cold and damp. And um, before COVID, the pastor, Pastor Rayburn, had been looking for a new building um, that we could use for kids ministry, um, something where we could split off, you know, older kids and younger kids. And uh, the problem is when COVID hit, all of these buildings, these portable type buildings all over Ireland were bought by hospitals to use for COVID testing units. So there was, it was impossible to find a building. Well, now, as COVID has slowed down, there's tens of thousands of Ukrainian refugees in Ireland, and they're currently in hotels, and the government's wanting to get them out of hotels and get them into converted housing. So now the government is buying buildings like this to use for um, refugee housing. The reason I bring all of that up is that as our pastor's been looking for a building uh, that we can use for kids' ministry— Everything he's found has been like 100000 to $150,000, and he was just like, there's just no way we could ever afford that. Well, a man in Northern Ireland, uh, we randomly found him on the internet, and he had a building that was used for a school, and uh, it was no longer needed, and it was just sitting on his property, and he found out we were trying to purchase this building to use for a church. And you can go to this next picture. Uh, this building is four times, about four times the size of what we currently have for kids ministry. In addition to just having multiple uh, classrooms, you can go to the next picture. It's just another perspective. Um, and it, go to the next picture and stay on that for just a second. It also gives us two restrooms, one of them being handicap accessible, which we currently don't have. And um, it's just a huge blessing. Go to the next picture, please. Um, and just stay there for a second. Uh, we can, we have multiple Sunday school classrooms and what I'm excited about is not only the opportunity for more classrooms for kids, but if we have new classes, we have to train new teachers to teach those classes. And for years, it's been one person teaching all the kids week in, week out. If that person was not there, they just wouldn't have kids church the next week. There's just nobody to do it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I want to have multiple classes, but also have multiple teachers and those teachers teaching teachers how to teach these kids God's word. And that's what I'm really excited about. So that's the building. But this guy found out we're trying to purchase a building for kids ministry for our church. And he was willing to sell us the building. It's five pieces. It has to be transported an hour and a half uh, from where it's at. And then it has to be installed. Five pieces, transported an hour and a half, and he was willing to sell it to us and install it for a total of $24,000. Our pastor, Pastor Rayburn, he was like, We have to do this. Like, we have to buy this building. Uh, it's just too good of an opportunity. He's like, The problem is we have four grand in the bank. He's like, I don't know how we're gonna buy this building. And I told him, I said, Listen, I promise you, there's gonna be people in the United States who are gonna be super pumped to help us. Purchase this building so kids can hear about Jesus. And what's awesome is in three about three to four weeks, all hun- all twenty thousand I needed to raise came in. The money's been sent to Ireland on an April twenty-fourth that building's being installed. And so it's just amazing to see how God has worked. Like, it's super cool to see what God has done and what God will do. And I've talked a lot about buildings because that's where our ministry happens. But I want you to see this next picture. And I shared this picture when I was here last time, I'm sure. Uh, But these are some of the kids that I get to work with in Ireland. Um, I'm sure I told you the story of the kid in the back left. His name is Charlie. And when I was in Ireland in May, Charlie told me that I had to go eat at this specific restaurant. Um, because it was the one place in all of Ireland that you could order a soda and they would just bring you refill after refill for free for absolutely free and I told him I was like, "Charlie, you come to America, anywhere we go, you can drink as much soda as you want." he would just blew his mind um, but the, the reason I show you these kids is that these kids faithfully come to church weekend. And week out, uh, most of them are brought just by their single moms or their moms who are believers, but their fathers are not believers. Um, And when I was in Ireland, um, the, the four boys that you see in the back, all of their moms, they said, we are so excited for you to get here because there's no Christian young man that our sons even know. Like, our sons don't even know someone who's a Christian following Jesus, and we're just super excited for you to be here. And I'm so excited to get there and disciple these young men, because they're, I mean, right now they're 12, 13. But they're about to be making these decisions that are going to impact the the trajectory of the rest of their life. And um, I'm excited to get there and disciple them and reach them, but also reach their friends. Because while these kids do come to church, um, to my knowledge, two of the kids in that picture have made Professions of Faith in Jesus Christ. So as of right now, to my knowledge, most of these kids don't know the Lord, but I'm excited because one of these kids will likely be the first person God allows me to lead to Christ when I get to Ireland. And so I love these kids. I love that I get to work with them. And so we bought this building and uh, we're going to put it in and we're going to be able to use it for kids ministry. But another thing, in, when I was in January, uh, when I was in Ireland in January, I found out about another opportunity. If you go to the next picture. Up in Northern Ireland, there's a young adults ministry called The Well. And it's once a month, and there's a Baptist church in Northern Ireland that hosts this young adults meeting. And there's young people in their 20s and 30s who drive an hour and a half to two hours um, just to have fellowship with other Christians. And they drive from all over Ireland just to be there to have fellowship with other believers. And I didn't even know this ministry existed. But because of the the church rents their facilities, um, they can only host it once a month. And I was talking to them. I was like, we're about to buy this new building. Like, there's no reason we can't just host this where we're at. And they're really excited that once I get there and once we get established, we're going to have this more than once a month. And we want to have a regular um, young adults meeting. Because... a lot of my ministry will be focused on kids and it will be focused on on, on young people. Um, but, you know, I was really burdened when I was there in January. There's a lot of people my age in Ireland as well who truly, I mean, need the gospel, need Christian fellowship. And like while a lot of what I'll be doing will be kids and youth, it's like, I mean, everybody needs the Lord, you know. And so I'm excited to get to use this building for that. The other thing that I'll just share with you is I was talking to Pastor Rayburn and we were talking, we were like, that building has a super sturdy roof. He's like, there's no reason we can't just build a whole second level on top of it. Um, and what we want to do is build a second floor and just use that for housing for whenever teams would come over to Ireland. Hint, hint. No particular reason I'm dropping, you know, I'm bringing that up. <laughs> but we want to be able to do that. But let me share with, share we, uh, with you this. When we went and looked at that building, this is really cool. Um, that building is, is much bigger than what we currently do need. And one of the deacons from the church was there and he was like, we don't need this building. He was like, this is way too big. He's like, is there, he's like, maybe if we talk to them, they'll just sell us half of the building. And I told him, I was like, you're right, like right now we don't need all this space. But my hope is that God keeps providing people who then they bring their friends and we're reaching people and reaching people, people are being saved, and being discipled. In a couple of years, our problem is going to be that we need a bigger building. Um, and uh, afterwards, he was like, you know what, you're completely right. He was like, I think maybe the reason we haven't seen as much growth in our church is that a lot of us think like me, like, you know, like, oh, we don't need this. You know, we're just a small little church. He's like, but if we just think that, that's how we're always going to stay. And so I'm excited to get there and get to work reaching people and equipping people to reach others. Very briefly in the next picture, this is the Iron Church. Um, th- this church is it's more of a Bible study uh, that right now I'm going to be helping them as well. This building was built in 1860. You can go to the next picture as well. The inside of this building needs a ton of work. We need to completely gut this building, put new windows, put a new roof, put new floors, paint it. Um, it's really falling apart. But what our hope is is when the new building is installed at the at the Boyne Valley Baptist Church, um, the portable building there, move that here and hold services in that building while we renovate this one. And um, and I'm excited to get there. I'm excited to get there. I'm excited to uh, lead these ministries. Um, I, I know I've shared some of this with you, but I teach guitar, and I already have um, quite a bit of money I've raised to buy guitars when I get to Ireland. And um, I teach guitar through hymns and worship songs. And um, what happens is I'll have a group of about ten kids or teenagers I teach guitar to, and the class culminates with a concert at church where you'll have ten to fifteen kids up on the platform, all strumming guitars at the same time, leading congregational singing. And at the end of that class, at the end of that concert, I'm just going to tell the kids like, "Hey, like." Uh, that guitar um, somebody in the in america is praying for you and loves you and gave so you could have that for this class i don't want that back that's my gift to you and our church loves you but more than anything jesus loves you and just use my background in music and teaching guitar as a way to meet people in our community also we have opportunities to go into the public schools of ireland uh with the gospel um and uh, that's through child evangelism fellowship ireland um, if you've ever heard of CEF, um, CEF has outreach in 31 of 32 counties on the island of Ireland. The one county they have no outreach is County Louth, where I'll be living. And so because they always try to tie their ministries and schools to local churches, and there just hasn't been churches to, um, to partner with. So we're going to be partnering with them, taking the gospel into schools. We're also going to be doing outreaches through basically Vacation Bible Schools, we're going to be doing addictions recovery ministry, um, and I'm going to be partnering with a church about 30 minutes away, serving with them in that, then starting that ministry up where I'm at. I'm taking the gospel to the attics of Ireland. Um, and then the plan is, after five years of partnering with Pastor Rayburn and the Boyne Valley Church and the Iron Church, turning over my ministries and then going and planting a brand new church wherever God would lead me. And so. That's super exciting. Um, I've been on deputation a year and nine months. 100% of my support has come in. I'm thankful for that. Last year, I drove 75,000 miles all over the country speaking in churches. But God has been good. God has been faithful. Um, and the last step is in three weeks, I'm applying for my visa. And I have to send off for my minister of religion visa. Ireland has completely changed their laws on visas, and there's been no new missionaries going into Ireland under these new laws. So nobody who's there can give me any help or guidance on what to do, how long it's going to take, all these things. And so pray for that. Pray for my visa to be approved. Pray that it wouldn't be delayed. Um, My hope, my my commissioning and send-off service at my sending church in Canton, Ohio, is on June 11th. I would love to leave for Ireland at the end of June. That would be amazing. Um, but I don't know when God will allow me to leave, but whenever I get the okay that my visa has been approved, um, I'm just saying peace out to my family and, uh, heading out of here. And so, um, I'm, I don't know if you can tell, I'm excited about Ireland. Uh, I'm excited to get there. I'm excited to get to work. I've enjoyed deputation. I've enjoyed traveling and speaking in churches. Um, but this, this, I mean, as much as I love, love this, this isn't what I want to be doing. You know, I want to be one place each week. Reaching people, teaching people, training people, pouring into people who then pour into others. And I'm super excited that I get to be so close to getting to Ireland and doing that. I'm thankful that your church is part of my story, part of my journey, and part of my partners to get me there. Um, And with that, if you have any questions, I'll take them now. Uh, Is it a... As long as you put it in the form of a question. No, I'm just kidding. You can, say, you can say whatever you would like.
0: I would like to let everybody know that there is a card back on the Brian to Ireland table. Any of you want to sign that card for well wishes, for his mission, you know, for sending him off with all our love, please feel um, free to do that. And there's little shamrocks back there. Please take one.
1: I didn't know what that card was and I signed it myself. So I'm I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding.
0: Thanks for sharing, Brian. Uh, <clears throat> I know some of our recovery students are here tonight. I just wonder if you'd just share a little bit of your testimony of I know you came to our group one night and shared yeah. and uh, just share how maybe how you're gonna reach the folks Yeah, absolutely.
1: At so um part of my story, like I've never drank alcohol. I've never done drugs, never done any of those things. Um, But when I began praying about going to Ireland and God was opening these doors and I was making those preparations, I knew that addictions recovery would be something that God um, would want me to do in Ireland. Ireland has such a problem with alcohol and most drugs are legal in Ireland. But in addition to that, Ireland has a huge problem with uh, prescription pills. Um, Ireland struggles a ton with depression, and people are heavily medicated. And there's a lot of depression, a lot of people relying on substances. And so I knew that was what God would want me to do in Ireland. Pro- like, but one thing I was convicted of was that I was over 300 pounds, and I had no self-control when it came to food. And I was like, how in the world am I going to be able to go and tell people, hey, listen— Jesus can set you free from the exchange of addiction. The gospel is sufficient. You don't have to give in to temptation. You can resist this with the Lord's help if I'm not even living that in my own life. And so, um, so is actually, uh, five years ago, uh, yesterday I started losing weight and it's been a really cool story how, how God has worked in that, but God has just really taught me so much about the sufficiency of God's word, um, for whatever we're dealing with in life. And I found out about a church 30 minutes south of where I'll be moving that has a 24-hour men's home and an addictions recovery ministry. And they have seen people go from crack addicts to deacons and Sunday school teachers. Um, and it's just been amazing to see how God has blessed their ministry. And they've invited me to come partner with them and do discipleship in their men's home and see how they do that ministry there with then Starting that ministry up where I'll be at. They specifically do the ministry reformers unanimous. That's just what they're familiar with. Um, but that's the opportunity that I have in Ireland with addictions recovery. Does that kind of answer what you were wanting to say? Perfect. Thank you.
0: So, uh, being a member of Club 300 myself, a former member oh, of Club 300, are you the only red haired guy in your family?
1: Am I the only red guy in my family? Um, my grandfather had red hair, I think. Uh, when I, I mean, when I met him, he had gray hair. But um, I'm pretty sure he had red hair. I don't think anybody else in my family had red hair. Nobody else has this cross to carry. Oh. <laughs>
0: So you were talking about how the building was really old and yep. you need to replace it. Is it hard to find materials to build a new one, or is it just a foundation you need to have to build on top of it?
1: So, uh, no, it's not. I mean, it's not hard to find new materials to build a building. Like, Ireland is very much developed, and anything, basically anything that you have here, you can get in Ireland except for crunchy peanut butter, Fritos, and uh, Smucker's grape jelly. Other than that, uh and I learned that from missionaries who were there. Other than that, basically anything we would need, we can find. Um, now, if I were to build a brand-new building, um, that would actually be pretty difficult. It's easier for me to find a previous building and then fix it up. So, But um, building a building, it's, it's not going to be super difficult. there. Yes, sir? Yeah. Uh, England is predominantly the Church of England, right, mm-hmm. which is almost like Catholic? Yeah. What is, what is Ireland? And what uh, do they have as as big a problem with agnostic and, and um what's the other word I'm trying Atheist. to say? Atheist. Yeah, he he was talking about how I uh England very much the Church of England. Ireland has uh the Church of Ireland, which very much it's Catholic like It's like Catholic but you can get divorced, you know. And uh so that's Church of Ireland and then uh then Catholic, predominantly Catholic. If you look at the statistics, Ireland would say they're about ninety one percent. Uh, Christian, which means 91% Catholic. Um, but what you see in Ireland, and it's not unique to Ireland, but it's very much the reality that the missionaries there deal with. The older people in Ireland are very staunch in the Catholicism. It's a big part of their life. Um, they go to Mass regularly. The middle-aged people in Ireland are very culturally Catholic. To be Irish is to be Catholic. They'll go Christmas, they'll go Easter. They claim Catholicism, but it's a cultural thing, not a religious thing. The young people of Ireland for the most part, are incredibly secular, um, have rejected the Catholic Church, have seen the hypocrisy, have seen it doesn't work, and really want nothing to do with it. Um, now, the good thing for me is that um, all schools in Ireland are religious. Um, the, they are taught the Bible in school. Now, they're taught it from a secular perspective, but every kid in, the, in Ireland for the most part, owns a Bible. Like they have these because they study it in school because it's part of their curriculum. So they have some foundation of of something of the Bible. But what I'm thankful for is it gives me the opportunity to go in and show the distinctions that this is not about what you what you can do is about well, what Christ has done. And um, so while there is that uh, very much wave and that push towards agnosticism and atheism, um, there's still some remnant of a foundation of Christianity, quote-unquote. And so, but, you know, I'm not naive to think that it's going to be easy, but it, um, but yeah, so amongst age groups, kind of as you get younger, the hold of Catholicism loosens on the people of Ireland. So.
0: yeah i liked I liked what you said this morning about um how um, that we need to be doing you know we uh, he that is faithful and least is faithful and much, and you need to be doing what you're you know you can't just go out as a missionary you need to be doing it and I like that and and I liked your story about salvation and and then what it took to finally uh get on that missionary path but can you can you explain to us like when it became real that you're um, you know that God called you to share the gospel? Yeah. Which I think all of us you know have that understanding. Yeah. yeah. But can you can you explain how God prepared your heart like with your situation and with your words specifically to start going out? Yeah. In your own neighborhoods?
1: Yeah, right? absolutely. Well. The first time I surrendered to ministry in total, it, it was a, it, well, I don't even remember the year, but I was at a youth camp when I was 16 years old, and I was sitting there, and there was a missionary to Iran who was who was who was speaking, and he was just talking about how um, the, the, basically the need for the gospel everywhere, and I was just so impressed that to do anything less with my life than to give the rest of my life preaching the gospel would be to cheapen what God had called me to do. And it was at that youth camp when I was 16 years old that I truly felt God was saying, hey, Brian, this is not just what you need to do as a Christian, but this is what you, I want you specifically to do as a vocation. Now, I didn't know what that meant at the time, um, but it was when I was 16 years old that I really felt like God was working in that direction. Now, as far as specifically taking the gospel to people and being bold with the gospel, that was after the, my first trip to Ireland in 2016 when I was like, man, you know, I'm in Bible college, but I'm a coward when it comes to sharing my faith. And I need to get over that because, you know what, it might be uncomfortable to share Jesus with people, but it's going to be really uncomfortable when people I know and love spending eternity in hell because I was a coward and never told them about Christ. And so it was after that trip in 2016 when I just really felt like um, I need to get serious about it. You know, to take it seriously with what God had called me to do. So hopefully that answers slightly of what what you're wanting me to get with. No, that's great.
0: I'll be brief, but I was just wondering, do you have goals
1: that you have set forth like at this time I want to achieve this much or I want to see this growth or what kind of goals do you have like in terms of time frames that you can expand
0: in the mission field?
1: Yeah, for sure. She asked if if I have goals of I want to accomplish this by this time, this by this time. I would say yes, but I'm holding those very loosely because it's so easy to speak in hypotheticals of all the things I'm going to do when I'm here in harrisonville and not on the mission field in ireland i think most people who are missionaries will tell you they have all these things they want to do but then once they get there maybe the ministry looks different or maybe their direction of ministry looks differently the biggest thing that i would say is a concrete thing of by this time i want to do this is i need to get in my five years on the field in ireland so i can get permanent citizenship stay in ireland long term to then go plant a church so the biggest thing for me is like my timeline is move to Ireland, stay in Ireland five years, get citizenship, go plant a church. What happens in between here and there, uh, you know, ultimately, there's things I want to accomplish. But ultimately, I just want to be faithful and then trust that God will provide. So, yeah, I'll be a dual citizen. Don't worry. I'm not renouncing America. Don't worry. <laughs> Someone right there had
0: You said that there were lots of refugees from Ukraine. Do you see an opportunity there as well to share the gospel?
1: For sure. You mentioned about how I said there's lots of refugees from Ukraine in Ireland right now. Um, Do we see that as an opportunity? Yes, except where I'll be living is not where they're at. Like, most of the refugees... Uh, when they move out of the hotels, they're not going to be in the cities. They're going to kind of put them out in the middle of nowhere. Well, I'm going to be living right kind of in the city of Drogheda, just north of Dublin. So um, surely, I mean, if there is a re- refugee, we're not going to say, I need to see your Irish citizenship. Oh, nope, you can't do that. But, uh, But just as far as a logistical thing of they're likely not going to be living where we'll be doing much ministry. I appreciate you guys having questions. This is much better than just awkward silence. Can you tell us a little bit about the city you'll be living in? What, what happens in the city? Is, yep. is it agriculture or is it? Yeah. Uh, what, kind yeah. Of, what kind of living conditions will you have? Yeah, so I'll be moving to the city of Drogheda, which is just north of the capital city of Dublin, where the first train stop north of Dublin We're a city of 45,000 people. In 10 years, we should be over 100,000 people. It's a very strategic ministry location because Ireland is seeing a ton of growth because Google, Apple, Microsoft, eBay, PayPal, Amazon, Twitter, um, and a bunch of other companies have moved their European headquarters to Dublin, Ireland. Um, Ireland is more business friendly than even the United States. So what that has created is a situation where you have people from all over the world moving to Ireland for jobs. Um, Dublin is kind of becoming like the Silicon Valley of... Europe. And so because of that, first of all, as far as an opportunity, we can reach the world for Christ through reaching Ireland for Christ because the world is coming to Ireland. And so that's exciting from that perspective, because especially young people from all over the world are moving to Ireland. As they move to Ireland, Dublin is so expensive, they're moving to the suburbs. The suburb I'm moving to is the first train stop north of Dublin. We're a commuter town. So what are we known for? We're really known for being the first train stop north of Dublin. But uh, they have yeah, there's, I mean, there's lots of shopping. There's hospitals, things, things of that nature. Um, as far, there's not a ton of like industry, uh, you know, manufacturing or anything like that in Drogheda, It's mainly a commuter city, but it's a great opportunity with all the growth that we are seeing there. Um, you know, it's a. Sometimes people ask me, like, man, you know. It's, it, how is Ireland? Is it safe? And I just tell them, like, you know, you're way more likely to be murdered in America than you are in Ireland. Like, uh, nobody in Ireland has guns. Uh, nobody, you know, and uh, it's relatively a very safe country. And so even though we're in a big city, of course, like any city, there's places you don't want to be too late at night. Um, but it's a safe place, um, beautiful place. We're right off the river. Uh, there's beaches 10 minutes away from where I'll be living. And so my living situation. Um, what I would love to do is I want something um, that's at least a three bedroom, two bath, preferably four. Um, when I started raising my support to be a missionary, this is I'll try to keep this brief. But my pastor said, hey, you know, you're praying that at some point God brings you a wife and brings you kids some someday. Are you going to raise your support as if God's going to answer that prayer or are you just going to raise what you need for yourself? So I have been raising support this whole time on deputation to support a whole family when I get to Ireland. Uh, so if and when God answers that prayer that I'll have those funds already raised. So for that reason I would like a, a house, uh, probably not five, six, seven, eight bedrooms, you know, to begin with, but, uh, but, uh, I would like something at least when I first get there, three bedrooms. The other reason on top of that is I was talking to my dad. And uh, the only reason I'm going to be able—well, everywhere I travel in the United States, everyone's like, "Oh, if I always want to go to Ireland. It's on my bucket list." The only reason I'm going to be able to afford to live anywhere in Ireland is that people give to missions. And so I just figure, if someone from the states wants to come stay at my house, they're the one paying my rent if they give to missions. So they have every right to live with me or stay with me. And so I want a house where people can come and see Ireland, see the ministry, um, and um, and so. But where I'll be living. For something that i 'm looking for in that size realistically it 'll cost about uh, twenty three to twenty four hundred a month for that, um, but I mean I knew that, so that 's why I've raised the support but it is a little bit more expensive. Um, Ireland is an expensive country, but um, yeah, so hopefully that answers some of that question What do they live in The average person in our city yeah there's there 's a good mix between apartments and houses, so i mean it 's really neat, draw it up because there's all these uh, uh, nice apartments that are built up on a river. There's a river that goes right through our city. There's a lot of apartments on it. But there's suburbs just like you would see here, except the houses there are all, like, attached houses. You know, you have house, 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 house all attached with very small uh, uh, yards in the back. So where I'll be living would be very comparable to what someone else would live in. Um, if I can find a castle on the cheap, I'll go for it, you know, but, you know.
0: Any other questions? I got one more. Okay.
1: Be kind. Okay. Can you,
0: can you tell us how to pronounce be kind in?
1: Uh, she asked me if I can pronounce be kind in Irish. In Ireland, they do. So- the- Quick answer is no. Uh, but in Ireland, they do have an, uh language called Irish that they teach in school from when kids are 5 to when they're 18, mainly as a way to uh, preserve their culture. Um, Ireland is essentially 100% English-speaking, unless you go to some shepherding villages up in the mountains. Um, people in Ireland, I've asked them, I said, hey, should I learn how to speak Irish? And they said no, because uh, to learn a language, you have to use it and anybody I'm going to go speak Irish to speaks English. And so they're going to hear me struggling over their Irish. They're like, you can speak English? Yeah, let's just do that. So uh, so to answer your question, no, I cannot. I do not know how to pronounce this, um, but uh, I do know how to say be kind. So that's very important as well.
0: I, I have one question for you. Um, okay. So you mentioned discipleship. Tell us what discipleship looks like for you. Uh, with these kids and these adults that you'll be working
1: with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, What's super cool is, you know, there's so many churches where it's like, well, discipleship is just like a program or something, you know, ultimately for our church, what's, what's cool is the opportunity is there's zero form of discipleship happening right now, other than the kids show up, they sing a song um, and they hear a Bible story and then they go on their way. Essentially, what we're going to do is and I was really excited when I was here last year and you gave me those materials for what you guys use for discipleship one and discipleship two, because that's very similar materials to what we use at my sending church in Canton, Ohio. And um, those are the materials that we're going to be taking. So essentially taking God's word, teaching them, walking them through God's word, precept by precept, teaching them foundational truths that build upon one another, teaching them God's word, teaching them the truth of God's word teaching them um, how to serve the Lord, teaching them then to reach others with the gospel. And so what's on a very practical sense, what does discipleship look like? Similar to very, very similar things that you guys are teaching here. But what's interesting is with these kids in Ireland, um, there's nothing happening right now. And so what I'm excited about is, first of all, to just go and be like, hey, this is we're going to need some buy in, you know, Church is not just going to look the same of just, we're going to show up, put in our hour. We're good for the week. There's more that goes to it. And so does that answer some of what you want to get at? Okay. Perfect.
0: No, is it one on one? Will you have a one on one type? So I'm going
1: to do one on one discipleship with these, with these four boys. So I'm going to do one on one discipleship with them, um, because their knowledge of the Bible in general is so elementary. And so I want to, I want to do it in a group setting. First of all, we're splitting off. We're going to do a youth group I'm going to do with just just these kids to get them away from the little kids so we can teach God's word on a little bit bigger, bigger um, higher level than what they're used to. But I do want to spend that one-on-one time with them. Number one, for them to just get to know me and trust me. Because since, like I said, these boys don't know anybody who's a young man who follows Jesus and loves Jesus. And so that will be a one-on-one discipleship that I do with them. And so hopefully that process, I'm not looking at like, well, let's do this, you know, for a year. I'm like, okay, we have until you're 18 years old. I want this to be a continual thing of, us, of me doing this with you. And then obviously once they're done, for them to go disciple someone else as well. So.
0: Any other questions? Oh, we got a couple. Is the divorce rate really high in Ireland?
1: Um, I haven't found that out for myself. Um, I haven't experienced that. Um, I would say the divorce rate in Ireland is much, much, much lower than it is here Um, in the United States. I don't know the exact number, but it's significantly lower than it would be here because there still is that Catholic influence, even if it's not – as predominant in people's lives. Um, but I don't know the exact numbers, but I'll tell you this, it'd be lower than it would be in America. So, Yeah.
0: Uh, will you have like any team going with you or is it just solo?
1: Well, I'm going and joining pastor Rayburn and being joining part of his team. I don't have anybody um, joining like that is specifically coming right now. There's a family that's in Ohio that, once I moved to Ireland, they're like, hey, we want to take a trip uh, to come see you, see the ministry. We're praying about maybe coming and partnering with you. There's another family in Kansas. They're like, hey, we want to come see the ministry. We're praying about partnering with you. Um, I'm hoping that you and your husband want to come see my ministry and pray about coming and partnering with me. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking for, I, I, you know, I have applications if people want to fill them out. But there's nobody, uh, <laughs> there's nobody that's like currently like, oh, for sure, this is what we're doing. But there's multiple people who are like... We're in the beginning stages of this, but what's cool about it is most of these people, by the time they'd be ready to move to Ireland, would be right when I'm getting ready to go plant a brand new church. And so that's what's exciting about it. Um, and so, but I got, I got to get there first. So, perfect. <laughs>
0: Um, I know you have a heavy lean towards children's ministry, and can you just kind of elaborate on your heart for why it's so focused on children's ministry more than other things?
1: Yeah, part of the reason that my focus is so much on children's children's ministry is that – Uniquely, that's just how God has laid out my life, um uh, to be involved in, it, both in the church and in just jobs I've had. When I was in Bible college, I worked, uh, doing after school care with kids. Then I worked as a preschool teacher for two years with three and four year olds. Uh, I know. Who would trust their kids with me? But, uh, that was what I did for a job. And what's just been awesome is like, th- they weren't things that I sought out. It was just like, everywhere I turned, people were like, hey, can you help in this ministry? Can you help in this ministry? And it's just been neat to see how all through my life, God has used number one children's ministry in my life, but for me to be involved in kids ministry. But the big reason for why Ireland is I just see that Ireland is at this tipping point. Um, Ireland um, is the youngest um the percentage of their population that is 15 years old or younger is 6% higher than England, which I don't know why that's necessarily the case. But there's an, Ireland's a very young country. And so there's so many young people in Ireland, and there's so few people there preaching the truth of God's word to them. And I just look at it, and I'm like, there's such an opportunity because these young people have rejected Catholicism. They're looking for something. And there's no shortage of people in the world trying to give them answers. But as far as people trying to teach God's word to them, there's this huge gap. And I'm like, if God will allow me to fill that gap, that's what I'd be willing to do. And so that's like the short reason of why specifically I'm so burdened for the kids of Ireland. Number one, there's so many of them. But there's just such a huge gap of people trying to reach the kids of Ireland for Jesus. Satan is not. Uh, Satan is certainly trying to reach these kids. The Mormons are very heavily present in Ireland. Jehovah's Witness are very heavily present in Ireland. The people with the true message of the gospel, there's very few specifically where I'm moving. And so that's specifically why kids is something I'm very, very burdened for um, in Ireland.
0: You shared uh, kind of your process and how God has brought you since the time you surrendered to go to Ireland. I think it's it's helpful for those that God will use maybe in this congregation, you know, to raise up. So what's been the biggest challenge in that process? And then what's been the biggest blessing?
1: The biggest challenge in the process of God leading me into into missions. Is that what what you would say? Like, I would say the biggest challenge has just been um, literally having to go do it like it's. It's one thing, it's very easy to hypothetically be sitting in a dorm room in Springfield, Missouri, say, oh, I want to go be a missionary to Ireland. It's another thing to schedule these meetings, to travel the country, to go do all of that. So the process of deputation has has been difficult. I, I mean, it's it's been enjoyable. I've got to do a lot of great things. But that has been a difficult process. A lot of hours in the car by myself, all over the place. Um, that's why I'm thankful for people like my prayer team that are constantly praying for me. Um, because, you know, the enemy does try to attack. If, if God has set something in motion, Satan is not happy about it. And so I know that I have a target in my back. And so I would say the process of deputation has been difficult just in the sense of it's like um, I long to be in Ireland. And um, but I'm thankful that it's been I'm so close to the end of the road. This might be a cop out. I would say the biggest blessing has also been deputation because it's taught me that, oh, God really did call me to do this. And he really is going to provide like there's been so many times where I'm like, I don't know. God has just provided my support so quickly and in means that I could have never done that. I'm like, why would I have any fear about anything else of it? God has worked every single detail out to this point. And so while it has been hard, it's also been such a huge blessing. Because you have had to rely fully on the Lord uh, to make this happen. And uh, he's constantly reminded me that this is happening, not because of me, but because of him. And that has been encouraging because that's going to continue when I get on the mission field as well. So I would say deputation would probably be the answer for both of those things.
0: do you think culturally will be your biggest challenge?
1: Yeah, uh, culturally, what will be my biggest challenge? This might sound like a joke, but it is real. Irish people don't care about time. Like, Irish time is just all relative. I don't know if you experienced that in the Dominican Republic. People Like, time is just like a suggestion. And, like, I'm very much like boom, 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 boom. And just, like, being okay with that, you know, of, like, uh, I'm there – I'm not there to make an American church. Like, I do think there should be order, you know. But uh, but just understanding, like, I want to assimilate to their culture and not make them Americans. Um, and, um, I mean, they could surely stand to eat a few more hamburgers. But other than that, America is not what I'm going there to take to them. I'm going to take the gospel. And so understanding what things am I uneasy about because they're cultural and what thing am I uneasy about because they're biblical and kind of sorting out those two things. Because I think there's some times that as Christians we're like, well, I don't like that, but it's just because we're viewing it through our American lens, not through our Bible lens. And um, But the fact that they are constantly not on time for anything, I do think that will be a struggle for me. A um, so.
0: couple more in here. You guys are really – inquisitive tonight this is good that
1: means you're normally not he said tonight he specifically said tonight
0: brian when you when you walk into a room this size in ireland are there more or less redheads there
1: that's so i i don't the the rest of you have been yeah yeah yeah. The, the rest of you have been inquisitive but uh that was the best question um so here's what's interesting about ireland i I met the easy answer to your question is slightly more but not as much as you would think when i first went to ireland on my survey trip i met this missionary who like me was cursed with red hair and he said to me he had just been to ireland like a month and he said listen brian i'm going to tell you this if this is how god leads your life to lead you to ireland you have to do deputation Be prepared that every single week of your life, you're going to walk into a church and someone's going to say the exact phrase, not a variation of the phrase, the exact phrase, you're going to fit right in. And that's what he told me. So then God does lead me to Ireland. I do deputation every single week. This morning, somebody said it. I'm not going to say who. Every single week, somebody says the exact same phrase to me. You're going to fit right in because everybody thinks everyone in Ireland just has red hair and pale skin. But. Fun Ireland fact. Red hair is actually Scottish. Irish hair is actually black hair. So there's that. So, yeah. So that's a little fun fact for you. I know. Well, speaking of disappointment, I've been to multiple churches where they find out there's a missionary to Ireland coming. And I show up and I talk to people and like, oh, you thought you're going to have an accent. It's like, I, don't, I don't know what you want me to do about that. If I had faked an accent, I maybe could raise the port a little faster, but. Yeah. Thank you for the inquisitive question.
0: I think that's probably it. Alright, so we're gonna, we need to wrap this up for the sake of Maple City as well, but man, thank you, Brian. That was thank good. You. Thank you thank guys you. for uh, all the questions. Good job, brother. Alright, we're gonna have a, we have a couple orders of business in, um before we close, I need to look at my notes here real quick. Uh, so we need to pray for for your visa. I was trying to remember the, the big thing. We need to remember to pray for Brian's visa. I'm going to ask Jeremy to come up, and uh, Jeremy heads up. He oversees the prayer team, so um, <clears throat> Teresa has the, has the Ireland, has the, the Barry prayer team. And so uh, if you want to get on that prayer team, see Teresa or Jeremy. And um uh, there's all the other prayer teams you can see. not I think I think they're all represented. There might be one or two that's not, but the prayer teams are listed out there. Uh, if you're interested in Carter's prayer team, we got Lee Carter here. so you guys want to be if you're not involved in a prayer team, you should be you should just do it. Just get involved. Um, in the bulletin, everything's listed out there and you can and you can uh, you can find out when we meet. Uh, the, I'm with the Romanian prayer team. I'm for all prayer teams. Doesn't matter. So get on a prayer team and pray. Um, I'm going to let you pray in just a moment. Remember to pray for his visa. Uh, Before I before I turn over to Jeremy to pray uh, and specifically pray for Brian's visa. Thank God for this opportunity. Really good presentation tonight, Brian. Appreciated that. Um, We also have Steve. He's going to be. We're going to reassemble everything after we're done praying. So that means we got to tear down and then put everything back up and get ready for tomorrow morning. There's quite a bit of moving parts there. Is there anything you want to say? Uh, Okay, so when the tables come up, let's run the vacuum before we start putting the chairs back up. And uh, and so if you can stay and help with that, we do understand if you need to run to the restroom first. All right, I get it. All right, so but when we say break, everybody can can break. And I just want to encourage y'all. When you see someone like Brian, he's really he's fully persuaded and he's equipped and he's going in. Uh, but it is a you know you think ireland oh it's it 's you know it 's almost europe and uh and you're're you're you 're you you're going to a developed country, but don 't kid yourself this is going to be very difficult and uh, these are great times this is a great meeting we 're having right now <clears> this <throat> is sweet this is really sweeter than maybe even you realize there 's going to be days ahead when this this brother here is going to really really need our prayer and uh and uh, he 's going to need our support and our encouragement and so uh, I appreciate you HBF. I appreciate just who you are and how, how gracious you are and uh and just loving up on on all these guys that come through and Brian Lee uh and the others that come in and out of the church because it really it means a lot today but it'll mean a lot more in days ahead. And so uh so hey, good job and stay sober, stay vigilant and uh let's stay about do the business here because the business we do here affects what goes on there and what goes on in the DR, and what if it goes on in these other places, more than you know. And so Randy and I know, because we talked to these guys, Randy's been on the field, he knows, and uh, and it's important. So praise the Lord. Um, I'll be I'll be done tonight. Remember, tomorrow morning, please, uh, 8 o'clock will begin the food. Um, 9 o'clock begins the sessions. 9 o'clock is sharp, uh, because Brian's on time, and he's leading the praise. So <clears throat> that'll give me time to get in here and get ready. All right, so... Randy, is there anything you need to say before we wrap it up? Okay. With that, I'm going to leave it with you, and you can say whatever you want about prayer teams. Don't forget, you can sign up for the, these trips. <clears throat> and uh, and so after the conference is over, even during the conference, you'll be hearing about these trips, how much they cost, roughly, et cetera, et cetera. Some of them don't have dates yet. Uh, the Boston trip does have a hard date. Uh, Oaxaca has a hard date. <clears throat> and Mammoth um, hat. So three out of the four have a hard date. And we're praying Leo will come up with one within the days, so or months. So anyway, he'll get one. So just be just be praying about maybe stepping out, putting yourself all in uh, on a prayer team, and even if you are on a mission trip, but even if you can't go all in on a mission trip, you can pray for these trips. You can pray for a missionary. So with that, Jeremy.